On the Lollygaggers podcast, we believe that reading is fundamental, especially if there are tons of pictures or video that you can use to supplement that reading. In this episode, Justin remembers he's a comic book fan with Winter in America and Immortal Hulk, while Jeff plays yet another digital board game with Isle of Sky. Both lollygaggers then ponder ponytails and the Bridges family with 1995's The Outer Limits. Welcome to episode number 91 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? Going all right. How did your raid in World of Warcraft go? Uh, super exciting. Um Wow. Uh, looking back on it, uh, we are six of tw- or seven of twelve. Mm. Um, we're now onto Rod Den, who's wow, uh, a lightning character. So it's at pretty exciting times, you know. Rod Den, the is he the god of electricity? <laughs> he is, yeah, 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 okay. yes, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, it's real exciting times of dying a thousand times because we're learning a fight. So fun stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so while you have been reading, I have been prepping for our, uh, our show tomorrow. Justin and I are starting a new, uh, a new adventure on twitch.tv slash RPG tomorrow night tabletop game. It's a brand new thing. Uh, should last like probably a month or two, something like that. But anyway, I've been like looking up all these different things for inspiration. So I watched a little bit of 13th warrior today, watched a little bit of, uh, Hills have eyes, uh, watched something else, but I can't remember the name of it. Because uh, it was like a TV show, but anyway, so I'm getting like little little bits and pieces of inspiration, trying to kind of get this uh, hammered down. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, but uh, have you been doing anything else other than playing World of Warcraft, the same old game that you've been playing for like 50 years? It seems. Um, I've been reading up on comic books, which I have not done in a very, very very long time yeah i feel like i've been more of the comic person over the past several months than than you because i've talked about like two or three and you haven't you have and these are not the type that you are accustomed to you like you're more independent sure you're starting to dabble some into your uh your superhero because uh, i did some invincible Invinci- i did some black hammer yeah yeah and invincible is very good yeah um, so is black hammer black hammer was great and also invincible has a as an end so yeah it does different so. I have to finish it too. I haven't actually finished yet. Uh, I think but I have that end five is like two hundred comics away or something. It's ridiculous. Uh, I have so. only I have five volumes left, so I got up to like fifty. I think it's like fifteen to twenty is where I'm at. Something like that. I had to start. I had to start buying a bunch of them, and like then the pandemic hit, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna tighten my my uh, wallet here a little bit, and then uh, I'll probably buy a few, buy the rest of them here shortly. So I went on Comicsology, and I kind of got the staples I used to get, like. I used to get a ton of stuff um, back in the day. I'd say college days when I had nothing else to spend money on because I didn't really go out much um, except for like drinks on Wednesday. Really? That sounds strange. You, you're such a happening guy who's, you know, easy. Listen, to- we used to go out to the bars on Wednesday and get drunk on dollar beer night. But like Ooh. other than that, there's not wow. much to spend money on. So. Okay. Home by, um, home by eight o'clock. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, so. I went back to my staples. So my I used to get a whole bunch of stuff. I used to have like 30 different titles I liked. I went down to the main ones. So I got Wolverine. I got Thor, Captain America, uh, The Immortal Hulk, Fantastic Four, Green Lantern, and Spider-Man. So those are kind of like my mainstays. I don't really read much in DC other than Green Lantern. 
I don't want to read any of the big titles, any like the Justice League or Batman or Superman, especially now since I know Batman's terrible because I've read a couple <laughs> during this time mm-hmm. and it's just a uh, Ross and Rachel between Catwoman and Batman. I'm tired of uh, reading it. And Superman is being written by Brian Michael Bendis and it's very weird because it's kind of a weird character for him to kind of tackle. But I got into a whole bunch of them. I didn't read Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Green Lantern at all yet. So I still have to get through those. But what I did read is the new Wolverine, the new Thor, the new Captain America, and I'm on now Immortal Hulk. They're all very different types of books. So the new Wolverine is fresh off of him being resurrected. Wolverine's been dead for about two or three years, and he was encased in adamantium. That's how they killed him. So that's how he died. And he's come back, and the X-Men are in a very unique place right now because since Marvel got the rights back to X-Men, they've put them in a very central spot in the Marvel Universe. And um, it's written by Matt Fraction. That's who does uh, X-Men. But this Wolverine is written by Benjamin Percy. The artist by Victor Bogdanovich, who's done a lot of stuff. It's really, really pretty stuff. Um, I really like his. Uh, I really like his his lines and like because I'm more of a. I don't like realistic stuff. I like kind of like hard edges and stuff like that. So it kind of mixes the line between that. And the Wolverine story is pretty much a who done it. Uh, I guess it's the mo- it's the closest equivalent you can get to like a Batman comic, right? It's a mystery. It's a detective story. That's what his story is. That there's only two cool. comics. Yeah, yeah, there's only two comics of it out. There's a lot of reminiscence of Old Man Logan, which is one of my favorite stories of all time, where it's far into the future. It's basically what uh, Logan was based off of, like thematically, the movie. But there's kind of some spots in there that are very uh, reminiscent of it because at one point he murders the entire X Force. Very similar. It's like happens in the first three panels of the comic, so it's not really exciting. And so that's very. It's very f- f- uh, familiar to how it happened in Old Man Logan. But things are not the same with the X Men now because of what's happened with the main title of the X Men. The X Men are pretty much immortal. Um, they can come back infinitely. So it's a very weird story going on. But he still murders everybody. It's kind of a mystery with that. So that's Wolverine. Next you have Thor. Recently Thor um, lost his arm and lost his eye. His father was killed. And he is now the king of Asgard. And in this story, which is really interesting because done by Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates did God Country, one of my favorite uh, independent comics of all time. I think I even talked about it here on this podcast a while back. Um, and he, he's doing a lot of cosmic stuff in the Marvel Universe right now. He's doing Cosmic Ghost Rider, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's doing Silver Surfer Black, which is a huge title, which everybody loves right now. But anyways, Thor has uh, basically been visited by Galactus. And there's this thing called the Black Winter coming. And if he does not help Galactus defeat it, the entirety of reality will cease to be. So he becomes a herald of Galactus, much like Silver Surfer, and he goes across the galaxies finding different types of planets for um, Galactus to consume so he can become powerful enough to defeat this oncoming onslaught. And basically it's like a story of like, he's a king now. He's not just a prince. He's not just a guy going out gallivanting. He has people to look after. 
He's become a herald, but he's more powerful than any herald before. He can actually overpower Galactus because he's not just a guy that got the herald powers. He's a god that now also has the power cosmic with him. So he's like is, double powerful. Is he the god of electricity? No, that's Raiden. Anyways, um, <laughs> the story is basically he goes around and tries to help out Galactus. Meanwhile, people don't understand why he's doing it. And the art is phenomenal because the art is done by Nick Klein. Um, and there's just tons of popping colors, cool little like cinematic moments. And when, as Galactus powers up, he becomes even more cosmic and awesome looking than he does normally than that big purple guy with the helmet. And uh, it's probably my favorite one right now. So that's Thor. There's only four of those out right now. I basically picked up at the most recent, because every once in a while, Marvel will be like, okay, we're done with this story. Okay, we're done with this writer. And they'll start back at one with a new writer and a new story, a new direction after like a, an event or something happens. So in this case, it was uh, War of the Realms. After War of the Realms, Thor got a new thing. Immortal Hulk is right after he died not too long ago um, in Civil War II, which is a dumb, terrible event that happened. And this is a horror comic. Um, It is basically Bruce finds out he can't die. Even if he is shot and killed, which he was in Civil War II, and in the first couple panels of this book, he gets shot in the head and killed. He will come back because the Hulk cannot die and will not let him die. And he wants to die. He wants it to leave. And it's kind of very much a horror book. Every single cover is by Alex Ross. Alex Ross might be the best cover artist in the history of cover artists of all time. Very realistic, beautiful colors. If you saw a cover by Alex Ross, um, what was the one I had you read with a DC comic? Um, Batman All Stars, Kingdom, oh, Kingdom All Stars, Kingdom Come, Kingdom Come. The entire book of Kingdom Come is Alex Ross. He is one of the most profound artists in the industry, and all these covers of the Hulk are just phenomenal. Um, It's it's written by Al Al Ewing, and the normal art and throughout the whole book is Joe Bennett. Um, Kind of reminiscent to almost like the Boys about how it's drawn. A little ugly. The characters aren't very pretty, but it's a horror book. They want it to be gross. Hulk is is a, a not a nice looking character. He's haunting, and he's an awful person in this because it's getting to the point where Bruce kind of was happy that he was dead, you know, and now he can't. He decides that he can't. He can't leave. So that's an interesting story. There's a couple volumes of that out right now. I'm really into that one's really good. The last one that I want to talk about. Um, has always been a main staple for me as Captain America. I used, I was always a Spider-Man guy. And then it wasn't until like my college years that I started reading Captain America. So I always thought it was kind of like Boy Scout, kind of boring, not relatable. But I found over these past couple of years that it's his comic is not so much being a Boy Scout. And relatable, it's always social commentary about what's happening in America. And this one is fresh off the heels of when Captain America became evil and was a member of Hydra. It actually made, like, news. It was dumb. Um, And he took over the world, and Black Widow died, and a couple other people died. Like, he killed Black Widow on TV and stuff. And this story takes off right after that, after he kind of finds a new body. It's comic book magic. It's dumb. And everyone looks at him still as the bad guy. So he, he he has this chip on his shoulder that... Oh, I just took over the world. 
as a terrible human being and now I'm trying to earn everybody's respect back. But the allegory in this has everything to do with uh, Russian hackers, which is really interesting. Um, and losing control of America um, because of the values we kind of put a, a ahead of ourselves. It's very interesting. And like the main characters, or the main storylines are like captain of nothing instead of America. Like he's alienated. Nobody wants him anymore. Um, this is written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Art by Lionel Francis Yu. Lionel Francis Yu is one of my favorite artists. He did uh, Secret Invasion. Uh, in the main, he was the main artist in Secret Invasion. It's great. Great shadows, great dark lines, sharp images. It's really cool. Again, covers by Alex Ross. And when Alex Ross makes Captain America, it's just, it's just beautiful. You really want to salute the covers. You know what I mean? Um, I like it a lot. This one's kind of a spy thriller um, and also a huge allegory for kind of where America's at. Like these Captain America books um, are very often um, kind of mirror what's happening in America. The, the, the author tends to do that. Like um, when he died, it was like 2005, 2006, essentially saying that America died when you're talking about how, you know, we kind of went into a war unprompted and stuff like that, you know, and it's, it's kind of a lot of parallels to what actually happened is where America was tricked into going into a war with Iraq and stuff like that. So it's kind of very interesting how all these different titles are different yet they're all just like these superhero characters. I don't usually go for like the Avengers stories. I don't really usually go for like big ma like mashups unless there's like a good event coming up that I'm interested in. But like, I usually like to look at these singular characters because I think they all represent different types of views. Like if I wanna, if I wanna read a horror book, I'm reading Hulk. If I just wanna read something stupid and make me laugh, I'll just pick up some Deadpool because it's funny and it's dumb. You know, um, so like that's where I kind of go with these different comics. So these are all kind of like a year or two old. I'm doing a catch up. This Captain America collection started in 2018, so it's about two years old. Um, Immortal Hulk started about 2018 as well. The most recent one was Wolverine. The one right before that was Thor, and I think that the one right before that was yeah. So we go Immortal Hulk and Captain America. So. It's been a long time. I haven't read them. Now I'm hooked again. These are my suggestions. These are always my go-tos. I'm looking forward to reading Green Lantern. I'm looking forward to reading Spider-Man, even though, even though I think that it was destroyed for years by Dan Slott. And hopefully it gets picked up by its bootstraps here soon. So anyways, I got these all on Comixology. I know it's very difficult to go to your local comic book store. It sucks that you can't support those local comic book stores, but they're all available digitally. Um, so you can always find them on there. So either the, so it's Comicsology. You can also go to Marvel Marvel Unlimited Marvel.com and pick up those there as well. So yeah, that's my uh, I guess those are my picks for like the past five years. So there you go. Okay, right on. Uh, I also have been uh, looking at like digital stuff of a physical, uh, usually of a physical medium. So I've been playing a lot of like digital board games recently, just like kind of doing that to kill some time here and there. Uh, I don't know why my wife and I could just play our physical board games but for some reason like we're just usually busy at night with all these other like twitch stuff and everything but during the day like when she's working and I'm bored and I have like 15 minutes to kill uh, here or there like I pull up 
one of the many apps I have. So the one I've been playing for the past couple of days, and this is partly because uh, I've been prepping a bit for uh, for our game tomorrow night. Uh, it's called Isle of Sky. Uh, and Isle of Sky is, again, it's based off a physical board game uh, that was designed, came out, I want to say 2015, 2016, around there by Andreas Pelican and uh, Alexander Pfister. Uh, like those are the names of the f- actual designers of the of the physical board game. And then Asmodee Digital uh, put together the the digital ad- adaptation of it. So I'm playing specifically on the Android version, but there is a iOS version and there is a Steam version. I have heard that the Steam version has got, has got some bugs, or at least that's what I was reading when I was just doing some catch up uh, today and getting prepped for this. Uh, so I can't really speak to the quality of that, ad, you know, that actual app, but uh, I haven't had any problems whatsoever with the Android app. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, the game itself is based historically in kind of Scotland uh, and everyone plays a different clan. Uh, and the, the, it's it's a competitive game uh, in the app. You can play against computer opponents. You can play casually against uh, other people or you can play in a kind of a ranked uh, a ranked system. I never play ranked in these games. I don't see the need for that stress. Uh, I usually play computer AI or my wife and I sometimes play if we're like away from each other or something like that. Uh, but the game itself is about set collection and it's about tile placement and there's some auction components as well. Uh, so what that means is that like you're bidding over certain tiles and the tiles that you're placing have to do with like roads or pastures or like sea places or boats or lighthouses, all these different actual cardboard tiles or in the case of the digital app, digital art for the represent those tiles. And what you're doing is you're creating this little puzzle. Uh, everything's square, so it's not like you're you're piecing anything together in a physical way, but like you're you're placing these square tiles to line up in certain ways, so that like coastlines align, or that mountains align, or that roads align, or that you're uh, placing a certain number uh, of tiles uh, to try to meet various uh, various goals set forth by the game. And so every round, what you do is you draw potential uh, tiles from a bag, or in this case, you're just randomly allocated them by the app, uh, and then you get to decide which ones, uh, like which, like which ones you want to allocate your cash to. So everyone's got their own money, and so behind a screen or just you know to the point where your the your competing players can't see, you set a value, and this is where the auction bidding component comes in. You set a value for how much you think each one of those tiles is worth, uh, and then once everyone has assigned their their hidden values to their three different tiles, everyone reveals. And so then if Justin and I were playing, for instance, Justin might have three tiles. One of them he might say is worth five coins and one of them is maybe worth two coins. And maybe I have three tiles and I say, well, one of them's worth two coins and one of them's worth one coin. And then what we do is we take turns uh, buying one of those tiles from other from the other person. So we buy one. And so if I want the one that Justin assigned five coins to, I actually have to pay five coins for it. If Justin wants the one that I spent that I put like one coin attached to it, then he gives me one coin. But you're like you're literally paying the other person for it. So uh, you might really want it, uh, and so you might put like a really high coin value on it. But that means you're also kind of losing the the, the tile you want. But in place of that tile, you're getting coins back. Uh, and so this game proceeds over the course of a couple different rounds, and each round you do the same do the same basic thing. It's like you're you're keeping one of your own tiles that uh, that the person that you're playing the people that you're playing against didn't bid on, uh, and then you're buying a brand new tile. And so, in the, in the case of a two-player game, pretty much every round you're placing two new tiles down. 
Now, the tiles basically just look like Scottish countryside. And so you have like all sorts of these different hills, uh, roads, you have different breweries that are uh, that, that are signified by specific iconography on the tiles themselves. You have like uh, lambs, you know, sheep, something like that. And then you have like oxen or cows. Then you have like ships and lighthouses. And each of, the, each of those different icons corresponds to some kind of victory point mechanism in the game. Now, every round, there's going to be different, there's going to be different scoring goals, uh, meaning at the end of the round, after everyone's placed their tiles that they got during that round, uh, you add up based upon like the different goals for that round. So a goal for one round might be, for instance, uh, the number of lighthouses you have. And so for if for every lighthouse you have, you might have like a couple victory points. And so then everyone goes around and they score and they get their victory points based upon that round. And then the next round comes and it's a different, it's just some sort of different scoring mechanism. And then the next round comes and it's a different scoring mechanism. So each round there's like something slightly different. You're always going to know like what like the four or five different uh, victory point conditions are going to be throughout the whole game. Uh, and then you can kind of plan how you're going to play stuff and like what you're going to go towards. Uh, so if you know, like in round three and then that it's going to, it's going to suddenly be counting like a bunch of sheep and cows, then maybe you're setting up for like a big turn in turn three. If in turn two, okay, it's only boats. Well then you don't necessarily, and you're like, I don't have any boats. So I can't really do anything about it. Uh, at the end of the game, uh, you add up your victory points and you see who wins. There's other things like uh, certain tiles, for instance, that are sometimes of high value are ones that literally on the tile is printed some kind of end game scoring. And um, that gives you like an additional way of scoring victory points, too. Uh, and so over the course of the game, everyone's kind of building their own little map of their section of this Scottish countryside. Uh, and and whoever has the most, you know, most points at the end wins. Uh the gold component can also turn into like extra victory points and tiebreaker stuff at the end, but mainly it's mostly used to kind of buy and trade as like you're doing this auction bidding thing over and over again. Uh, set collection comes into play because, like I said, you're trying to meet those specific uh, those specific goals of each round, each scoring round, and also like the end game scoring as well. So there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There's like not a whole lot of viciousness between between players, uh, especially since like you get to control the price, you know, like if you really want a tile and you don't want your opponent taking that tile, then you have to crank that, that cost up. Now there is, there is a way for that to backfire. So if Justin and I are playing and I really have this tile that I want to keep, cause it's going to fit perfect into like my play strategy. Maybe it's got like a lighthouse on it and two ships. And I'm like, I've been doing a lot of lighthouses and ships and I'm gonna have a big scoring round if I can get this. Well, then maybe I want to crank up that cost and I'm going to be like, all right, this is going to be worth seven coins. Well, Justin can then pay me seven coins to take it, which means he's out seven coins. But if he doesn't, that means I'm out seven coins because I've already set the value of it. And that means I'm technically paying for it. So this game has always like has always, in my opinion, been the best bidding or auction style game for two players that I've ever seen. Now it plays more than two, it plays two to five players, but I've never seen like an auction mechanic work so well at two players. Normally it's a very difficult system to use because you're, who are you bidding against? If you're, if it's just like two people setting prices for things, it's kind of awkward because you don't have any compet competition, but because you're setting the price and by default, it'll come back to you. If the next, if, you know, if your opponent doesn't take it, it actually creates that kind of really cool tension. Uh, the game plays pretty fast. Uh, so it doesn't take too long. Um, I can usually like knock out a game in maybe half an hour, uh, if I'm playing AI. Uh, obviously, 
you know, if you're playing with other people remotely, uh, that could take longer depending on how, on how quickly they, they respond. The app itself, uh, I would say the app itself could be better. Uh, there's not a whole lot of labels on a lot of the, the, the different buttons and things. Now, if you're familiar with the physical game, it's a lot easier to play. But if you're just like going fresh into it, it's going to take you probably a couple games of just screwing up and doing some trial by error. Uh, as like when you hit certain, you know, certain icons that don't aren't necessarily clearly explained, it might not be as clear to you. Uh, and then there's it's very easy to like not realize that you can actually rotate some of the tiles so that there's different orientations for how you place them. So it's easy to forget that you can do that. And that can be really useful because many tiles have roads on them. And there's benefits to connecting those roads. And so sometimes that requires you to like spin the tile when you place it. Same thing with like water boundaries and stuff. Like if you can, like there are certain bonuses sometimes uh, scoring tiles or scoring uh, uh, scoring goals that might say like enclosed bodies of water. And so you want like a bunch of lakes. Whereas if you orient them in a different way, it just looks like they're really vast oceans. And so you have to be careful uh, sometimes with that. So I, I do think like the app could be a little bit more uh, newbie or user friendly to somebody who doesn't, who isn't necessarily familiar with the game. Uh, but because I've been able to play it like on the physical board, it's a little bit easier for me to adapt to it. Uh, now again, I haven't played the steam version. I was looking through some, there were some well-read and well-written, uh, like steam up. They are upset about certain aspects of it. Uh, usually because of bugginess. Uh, but I haven't had a problem with this. This, this app has actually been out for a while. Uh, it's been out since I want to say like 2018 or something like 2016, somewhere around there. So it's been out for a couple of years. So it's, it's there. It's people are still buying it. It's, people are still playing it. I'm still playing it today. Uh, I don't know if like Asmodee is continuing to update it, uh, or not. Uh, there are two expansions, uh, out in the world for Isle of Sky. Uh, so I don't know if they have plans to ever implement them into the, into the board game, into the di digital board game at some point it would be nice if they did. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a it's a really cool game. I like games that are puzzly. I like games that are like city building. That's one of my favorite style of games. And there's a little bit of that here because you're kind of you're building your own little country start area. You're connecting roads. You're like you're kind of specializing in different aspects of it. Like if you if you're taking a lot of tiles that are collecting a bunch of sheep and collecting a bunch of oxen, that's like you start thinking, okay, well, I'm, my clan's specializing in like livestock. Whereas if, you know, Justin's going around and he's just collecting all the booze and the breweries, like, well, my clan specializes in this. So uh, there's kind of like a cool, a cool way of, of creating that like theme to, to what you're doing with your specific clan. The clans all have different names, but none, there's no separate stats or anything like that. The, the names are just there to signify difference in like who's playing what, right? Uh, so there's no there's no specific mechanical difference between each of them. Uh, so once again, Isle of Sky. Uh, it's by Asmodee Digital. Uh, it's a digital board game that you can get on Google on Google Play. So you can get it for the for Android. You can get it on iOS. You can get it on Steam. Uh, the physical board game as well uh, is uh, is really really good. All of it comes. It's designed from the specific board game itself. I think the adaptation is actually pretty good. Uh, there, I think the app, it might take, again, it might take you a couple of practice games against, uh, against some AI on like lower levels of difficulty to be able to, to kind of get a hang for how the game plays itself, but really good, strong, solid game, uh, that people should take a look at. All right. So then Justin and I are going to go ahead and continue this little exploration of like retro nostalgic TV from the nineties that we have started, uh, several weeks ago. If you've been listening to the last couple episodes, you know that we talked about Highlander, we've talked about Babylon 5 and Briscoe County Jr. 
And this week, we're actually going to focus on the outer limits, which Justin uh, decided. Now, we're looking specifically at the outer limits from 1995 to 2000, and then it had like two seasons on sci-fi. So it aired on Showtime starting in 1995 for five years, and then it shifted for its final season to sci-fi. There have been other iterations of Outer Limits in the past, uh, but we are specifically looking at this one. Uh, The show itself, uh, it's, it's a mix of science fiction, dark fantasy, horror, all those types of things. That's what uh, it's categorized on on a variety of different different websites: IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Wikipedia, etc. Uh, it's actually a Canadian American TV series. Uh, it when it was on Showtime, you can definitely tell that the sensibilities were a little bit different than the last season on the Sci-Fi. There were things that on the Sci-Fi Channel episodes that you wouldn't necessarily see on you know that that you couldn't necessarily get away with when you were on like a premium premium cable outlet. Uh, so uh, it's. Uh, it stars like at least as the voice, like the uh, the control voice is what it's called, Kevin Conway. Like that's the person who you'll the voice you'll hear throughout every single episode. But other than that, the show is anthological, meaning like every single episode is different. So it's completely different people uh, that are doing different things, different stories. Um, the show deals not always with Monster of the Week stuff, but really just kind of deals with various science fiction elements. If you're familiar. Uh, with things like Black Mirror or Twilight Zone, you know exactly what Outer Limits is. It's the same basic principle uh, that you have here. There's no overarching singular story. It's just a bunch of singular short stories. Uh, The show ran for uh, seven seasons, has about 150-something episodes, uh, which is actually more than earlier iterations of the show itself. Uh, The two episodes that Justin and I are going to specifically talk about, uh, one of them uh, the very first one was called Sand Kings, which is kind of like a two-parter. It was basically a movie. Uh, it was a fairly long, uh, fairly long episode, uh, and that one starred Bo Bridges of all people, uh, and uh, and it had like a wonderful it starred all the bridges, every one of the bridges. No, Jeff Bridges wasn't in it. What are you talking about? Lloyd Bridges and his son. Lloyd Bridges. I know. I was gonna get to Lloyd Bridges, but you said all of the bridges, and Jeff Bridges isn't in it, so. It starred all the non-important bridges. How about that? Lloyd Bridges is not important. Are you out of your mind? I'm sorry. He have did, you, he have you p- gun movies? Have you picked a bad week to stop sniffing glue? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, are, you're insane. Like, Lloyd Bridges from Airplane is not important. I don't even know if I can continue the podcast. I, I oh my god, I was so excited when I heard his voice. So, uh, Bo Bridges plays Doctor Simon Cress in The Sand Kings, which is again the first episode. Uh, this is actually based on writing by George Martin. Uh, so George R.R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones. Uh, it's not, He didn't write the teleplay. Really? Yes, Hold it on. is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so the premise of this particular episode is Dr. Simon Cress, played by Boyd Bridges. Uh, Bo Bridges, excuse me. Uh, he is uh, kind of a research fellow or he works for the government, like the government, whatever that means. Uh, because the government has recently collected a bunch of soil samples, uh, dirt samples, etc., sand uh, from Mars, from the Martian rover. Uh, and for the last few years, or however long it's been, he has been messing around with it. Because what we, the public, don't know is that they found bugs in the sand. So there's life on Mars. It's these tiny little bugs. And he's been dealing with them. At the very beginning of the episode, uh, he is very upset uh, when the government, again... Uh, who is represented, by the way, by Kim Coates of Sons of Anarchy, and he looks nowhere near like his tough 
Sons of Anarchy char- Sons of Anarchy character. He instead looks like a pencil pusher. It's hilarious. But anyway, he's got a tight tight perm. Yeah, tight perm. yeah. Well, I mean, he still did in Sons of Anarchy. He had like well, it was wild perm, I should say. Anyway, so they shut the project down and they fire Bo Bridges. And so, just like any research scientist would in any of these types of shows, he becomes obsessive. He steals some of the work, brings it back to his house, and he starts doing the research on his own, breaking all sorts of laws and rules. He has a wife and kid, uh, which they look actually like decent, a decent, happy family in the beginning. Uh, there are some little bits and pieces that show up throughout to suggest that they're not as big and happy of a family as that can be. Like Specifically, Bo Bridges had a brother, and that brother died, and his father, Lloyd Bridges, and then like they they don't get along that well in the show simply because like Lloyd Bridges's character seemed to connect more with the other brother because they were both military guys. And so Bo Bridges is Simon, Dr. Simon. He's like trying to prove something to his father and make him proud, all that kind of stuff. So as you might expect, the bringing these unknown alien bugs back to his home uh, and experimenting on there goes terribly, terribly wrong. Uh, so they, they basically start making a bunch of sandcastles, which is like, that's pretty cool. That's neat. That's great. Uh, but then they start like worshiping Bo Bridges or something like that because they start in the sandcastles, they're making like shapes of his face. And uh, then they want to eat more things. And at one point they eat the dog, uh, that Lloyd Bridges got for his grandson, Bo Bridges, kid. And, uh, and then at a certain point, Bo Bridges gets bit by one of them and he has some kind of venom in them and he starts to go crazy and obsessive. Uh, his wife, meanwhile, is trying to do something else with like her stained glass window job, and that doesn't go well. And then she gets pissed because like Bo Bridges is not being supportive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, eventually, uh, the family breaks up. Uh, the the wife and the kid go to stay with the grandfather, and then Bo Bridges like tries to save his son when his son comes back to see him, and he blows up the house. But then we're like, oh well, I guess all of those bugs are dead now. But they're not they're not dead. They're in the they're in the forest. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the first episode. Uh, Justin, what did you think of this incredibly obvious? Uh, no, uh, no surprises whatsoever. Uh, first two episodes of the San- of, uh, of Outer Limits. What do you think? The first one was a complete ripoff of a um, of a uh, what's the I don't uh, know. the I, other one. The Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone where the guy like creates a like uh has like a bacteria thing creates a a biome of of human beings and stuff i felt it was a kind of a ripoff of that story from twilight zone um my only thing is lloyd bridges is a dick what who just bring who brings a, a dog to someone's house you know that's a tremendous responsibility yeah with a lot of stuff being involved that's a real dick move I don't care every boy deserves that. a dog though yeah but that's a Tremendous strain on a family if they're not prepared to have a, an animal in the house. Um, I think that the special effects were not bad, especially given the time. They weren't bad. I like the little puppetry of the little little creatures. I thought Bo Bridges acting at times was a little bit uh, rough, especially when he spent like 50 minutes in front of the mirror. That scene could have been cut in half. I thought that Or just a, cut. Yeah. And you know what else could have been cut a lot sooner was his stupid hair. Bo Bridges has a freaking ponytail in this. And I'm not even sure if it's a real ponytail. I'm guessing it's extensions. 
I look at it and I, it's just one of those questions where I'm like, yeah, you did this. But I just got to ask, like, why was it yeah, really so reason? important for him to have a ponytail? Like, he just looks. I think that this episode ridiculous. could easily been cut by 30 minutes and made into a normal episode. There's just 30 minutes of absolute nothing garbage. When I'm watching the show, I'm like, this kid's acting is terrible. He must be related to somebody. And it turns out he's <laughs> Bobridge's son. Yeah. Because that kid's acting is Aww. not the best of child acting. Don't, um, don't rip child actors. Well, it happened uh, 50, or 25 years ago, so I'm sure he can fight me if he wants. Okay. Uh, but, like, it was not great. Bo Bridges, meh. Uh, Lloyd Bridges wasn't in it enough, um, you know, to kind of, like, look at, you know, how, how he did. But as a whole, I didn't think the first episode was very exciting, um, I thought it was, like you said, super predictable about what was going to happen. Like There was yes. literally nothing that happened in the episode that you couldn't have predicted within the first five minutes of the episode. I mean, just the ridiculous nature of you are bringing a Martian life, an unintroduced species into a new biome, and you don't even put a lid on the cage. He puts it. Like, I mean, they're creep. Like, OK, so like you, you don't live in Arizona, so you don't know this, but like scorpions and that's basically what these bugs are by the way they're basically scorpions right there's like this there's a lot of like these old wives tips and stuff like that it's like when you have kids and if you're worried about scorpions like put a bunch of glass jars like underneath the crib because scorpions can't crawl up glass and that's kind of what he does he has these glass enclosures for like seafood and stuff like that and so and he has like they have a big sandbox in the middle but they're in a barn this crappy barn right and it's just like of course they're gonna get out one line of defense if at all and like you know, like you're supposed to be a genius. None of the decision making this man made in this entire show showed any level of smarts at all of what he's doing. Like, yeah, it's, just- it's a classic obsession story, right? It's a classic like mad scientist becomes obsessed and like makes horrible choices. Yeah, like, like that's he has no control over his life, or and he this is something he has control over. It gets respect, and you know gets admiration for by these creatures i get the story but like it's muddled by just terrible decision making processes and just like like i i always say to you like i'm not a smart man and when a show or the direction that people take in in in, an acting or whatever it is the story whatever show that they're dumber than me i'm like wow that's that's impressive like this is really bad writing so I didn't really. I wasn't a huge fan of the first one. I was. I liked the second one a little bit better. But before we get to that, I want to wrap up a couple little notes I took uh, about uh, about the first episode because I wrote uh, opening. Bo Bridges has headphones on while driving. I don't understand why I didn't just have the car radio on, but whatever. He's headbanging really goofily to like easy listening Jackson Brown that you don't headbang to. So it's really weird. And he has a ponytail. Very confused. Off putting right off the bat. Also, uh, let's kind of piggyback on that. He's a genius, lives in what is almost like an estate. I know, it's, it's huge, big, right? Yeah. He's got a courtyard. Yeah, he drives a shitty truck around and can't cut his hair. Like, I don't understand. It's like the hair thing. I, I, I could talk for hours about like how completely unnecessary his ponytail was. Like, there was one line about it where Lloyd Bridges' character teases him, like, tell him, cut his hair, da, 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 da. like, he's a grown man. I'm like, everyone agrees with you. It's really stupid that he has long hair. Now, I also mentioned Lloyd Bridges, and I actually dropped an F-bomb in between Lloyd and Bridges. I miss him, and I said a joke about sniffing glue. And then there was, like, the part where, like, 
All right. So this was just after Boyd Bridges. Uh, I keep calling Boyd. Bo Bridges uh, brings the uh, brings the the eggs, the the bug eggs back, and it's like the morning after, and he comes out out of his house, walking across that wonderful courtyard in a robe, a terry cloth robe, basically with a hood on it. Yeah, the hood was weird. What was the hood? I was like, was, I is he going to a boxing match? That's what I, I wrote. Was, Question is mark. A, is he a wizard? Yeah. Is he going to a magic Wh- show? Why does he have a, a hood on? It's, it's it raining out. Like, I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't get that. I did. I mean, That's maybe weird. he had to protect his ponytail. I don't Very know. Very off putting. That yeah. particular thing. But then you mentioned the wonderful scene where we were looking at Bow Bridges for far too long. And uh, I want to refer to a different scene, which is uh, which is when he was recording like the when he was using like a VHS recorder to actually record himself. How amazing was his look when he was recording it? He had the robe on his 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 hair was all crazy and disheveled and he had a big old hairy chest sticking out of the robe. And I was just like, someone looked at this and was like, Okay, and this was before he got bit. It went crazy. Print it. This was we got it. This was him being a level-headed genius before he went crazy. So, anyway, I uh, I got to just say the, the scene that Justin refers to. There is a, a incredibly long scene where Bo Bridges, after he has gone, I crazy, actually fast forward through it. I'm like, I can't. He is staring at way- the mirror for way too long. He's finally cutting his ponytail. He's like looking for scissors there's stuff in the in the sink he cuts a piece of his hair off and puts it on as a mustache i'm like i feel like on paper this could have been good but it just didn't really play out very well so i fast forward through it it was so useless and such a waste of time i was like yeah. just, can we just get to the next scene please so that's where i'm like oh he's got a shirt on okay let's move. so not a fan of the first one. Second one however i agree with justin and then i do think that valerie 23 which is the name of episode two uh, or episode three technically because uh, the first one was like a, I guess a two-parter. Uh, so the second, the third episode, Valerie twenty-three. This one's directed by Timothy Bond. It's written by Jonathan Glasner. This came out on March thirty-first. So this one, uh, we follow uh, William Sadner uh, is the actor who plays Frank Hellner, who is a uh, he is a scientist at a robotics company, and he specifically focuses on. Uh, this kind of skin-like substance, like a like a pseudo skin. He doesn't really sure what it's being used for, but it's like this very soft, like fake skin. Uh, he is uh, a paraplegic, and his boss comes in uh, one day and tells him, like, "Oh, did you meet the new woman uh, who just started working here? She seems like it's your type." And so he's trying to fix uh, uh, Frank up with this woman, and it turns out that this woman, and it's revealed really quickly, and it's kind of obvious if you're paying attention. Um, right off the bat, but like five seconds later, it's completely revealed. This woman is actually AI. So she's a robot. And so they're, the company wants to test these robots as like companions for folks like like Frank who have difficulty finding women or need extra help at home. Or there's other couple tests, you know, there's other specific like test groups that they're going to look at too. But they because he's part of the company, they wanted him to take a look at it. And so he reluctantly eventually agrees Um because there's another woman that he's interested in that's his that's his like um not just another woman, Jeffrey. It's Nancy it's, it's, it's Nancy Allen. It's Robocop's partner. It's Robocop's partner. I know. It's Robocop's partner. Uh so he so anyway, 
she's she's Frank's physical therapist as he is trying to recover from the car crash that actually caused uh, his current condition. Uh, and but she is like with another guy, and so he's like, "Fine, I'll take this this robot lady back." And it's really awkward at first, and he's very mean to her. And we could tell right off the bat again, this isn't going to go well. Like, she, like Valerie twenty three has been designed to have like all sorts of emotions, like human emotions and things like that that you that you would expect a, a a human female to have. So like jealousy and anger and whatnot, constantly asking him like, "How does she look?" and stuff. It's really kind of strange, like husband wife sitcom type concepts going on there yada 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 eventually frank and rachel the uh the uh the physical therapists start going on a date uh, and they get close and then the uh the ai valerie 23 goes nuts tries to kill them and that's the end the end there you go but uh everybody lives happily ever after except for valerie 23 because she gets fried by a electrical socket what do you think justin i said it was better it wasn't much better, but it was better. Um, I agree that it was better. One of the best things about it, it was only like 40 minutes long. Yeah, and the lead actor did a much better job. Yeah. Acting Do you know where he's from? He's from, uh, he's, he's, in he's been in a billion Deep things. Space Nine. He was like section, what was it? Section something or other. What's the name of the section? Section. Oh my God. Like the little NSA version. He's of, one of those guys uh, that you can't really remember what he's from. But when you see him, you're like, oh yeah, I know. He 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 tried to offer Andy Dufresne a cold one after they had finished tarring the roof, and, uh, and oh yeah, Andy Dufresne. My bad, I forgot. About no, that. he did not rape Andy Dufresne. It's not even a funny joke. He's the guy who tried to. He was one of the nice guys, friends of Andy Dufresne, who tried to offer Andy Dufresne a cold oh. beer after they had finished tarring the roof because Andy had negotiated to get them those cold beers, but Andy didn't want to drink because he doesn't drink alcohol. And that's the thing that, you know, like that brought them all together and they're friends. Man, like just don't stumble. You know, when wrong, I'm explaining stuff, wrong, wrong just go away. Just go away. Um, but I thought overall it was a better a better episode. Um, there was a particular moment in the show where I realized this was not a Fox TV show. Um, yeah, there's nudity like, in it. It's like, oh, wait, okay. Um, I thought he was kind of a dick to the robot. He was very much a dick to the robot. Especially since he was explained to you repeatedly that it's like as human as possible. And he kind of like keeps on disregarding it as an appliance. Once again, smart man being told to do something and can't do it because he's, you know, being a, I don't know, whatever. It's just kind of a, but like, again, like you said, it's kind of predictable what was going to happen. Like, the minute that the other woman called, I was like, all right, I see what's going to happen here. Yeah. She's going to try and kill her. Like, it's, it's very, these are very outplayed stories and, like, I guess, cautionary tales, I guess you could call them, that have been driven into the ground. And maybe it's just because, I don't know if it was new back in 1995. I doubt it. Um, but it was just kind of a thing where it's like, it was interesting. I thought the special effects were cool. The first time you see them working on her head, I was like, eh, how'd they do that? Yeah, I do and think then, the production value of both episodes is pretty solid. Like, 1995, solid. I mean, there was, there's definitely some CGI work, but there's also a lot of practical effects. Yeah, it was a Tons mixture. of practical it was, it was a good mixture. And it, it, it looks really good. It actually does look really good for 95. Yeah. Other than th- that horrible ponytail. Yeah, yeah. That's just... But that's that's uh, makeup work, I guess. But, like, I think that... Overall, it was just a a better produced episode, and like I think, I think part of it is because you're in and out, and you're crushing a tail in forty minutes, and you don't have 
a 10-minute stretch of Bo Bridges incoherently talking into a mirror that you just wish it would end at any moment. So, But overall, I thought the show was fine between the two episodes. Um, I wasn't annoyed or bored. I realized um, that I've actually watched most of this series uh, when I started watching it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen this. And yeah. I started going through a lot of the episode summaries. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen this, too. Yeah, I think I watched this series at some point. I don't remember when because I never had Showtime. So it must like, have come out. I think it was in syndication and I caught it on syndication probably. It's not a terrible show. No, it's not. It's like, fine. It's fine. But there's nothing that there's nothing that makes it sit out, you know, stand a, away from like the other ones. So like to me, this is kind of like this is below your Deep Space Nine and um is that what it was? Deep Space Babylon, Nine, ba- Babylon Star 5, Trek, sorry. yeah, Babylon yeah, Five, Babylon Five, and stuff. Yes, you're you're falling into that same trap of everybody thinking that Deep Space Nine was all great and good, but they you're really just taking credit away from Babylon Five, which is. But Deep Space Nine had a black <laughs> uh, commander or, or captain, so yeah, so that's super handsome. Cisco Anyways, is super handsome, um, dude. When he went bald and grew the goatee, I was like, oh god. You're so attractive right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously, I like this is this is working Step for me. Aside, Bacard. This Step is, aside, Bacard. Step aside, Janeway. This is the most attractive <laughs> bald captain I've ever seen on a, on a Star Trek. Ugh. But uh, like, it just was kind of like, eh, you know, how many seasons did this thing go for? Uh, seven. Wow. 154 wow. episodes is a lot of episodes. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it gets better as time goes by, but like. There's nothing like to write home about, but so like, like when you compare it again, when we compare it to the diamond that is Briscoe, which is let's call it BCJ for here on out because that's that's kind of like obviously everyone calls it that. When you compare it to BCJ, it is just within a giant shadow and hard to live up to, you know. Yeah, I mean, like this is the type of show for a person who's not, like Outer Limbs has been around a long time. So if you're an Outer Limbs fan, you're not you're not miss. I mean, like you're not gonna. Like, you're not going to be upset, I think. I think you're going to find what you like about it. Now, it doesn't have, like, the Monster of the Week type stuff that a lot of, like, earlier Outer Limits had. This is a lot more a lot more scientific stories, kind of the exploitation of various things, uh, really branching out and doing a lot of more exotic storylines, which is actually really good. So, like, if you're a more modern day and you're looking for stuff to watch, if you're a Black Mirror fan, like, I think you're going to find a lot to like in this type of show. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of those shows, I think, like your Black Mirrors or or any of those types of, like, because I was thinking even, like, um, Tales from the Loop, you know, all those shows kind of derive their inspiration from, like, their Twilight Zones and Outer Limits stuff where it's, like, even though Tales from the Loop is, you know, within a community, it's still, like situation each episode is a different type of story open close shut type of idea yeah tales on loop is different though tales on loop actually had an arc because i finished the whole season so like season like even though each episode is to some degree standalone there actually is an overarching storyline in one location with one people and and there is so like the, the the incidents that happen in episode one and two and three they all kind of connect and create an overarching story that's not the case with our limits our limits it's very stark completely different actors completely different stories completely different writers directors every single time so you can like literally just pick up and watch any one of these episodes at any point in any order and you'll be fine uh so uh i would i would recommend it uh i like this kind of stuff 
uh, it's the type of show for me these days, I would watch at like 11 o'clock at night as I'm like just kind of chilling and getting ready to go to bed at like, you know, midnight or one. Cause I don't, I probably, I probably wouldn't be like a main driver during the middle of the, you know, the beginning of the evening when I'm probably watching newer stuff or streaming some stuff on Netflix, but it's definitely like, I think it's a wind down show for me. Uh, but it's pretty legit. Like don't let my criticisms of the first episode, uh, deter you. I actually do think this is a quality show. Ruin your thoughts. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to malign Bo Bridges or the Bridges family. Uh, it's really just the ponytail that I just, I was, I was out like, it's, I I couldn't, I just, I, I couldn't not look at it and just wonder why is that there? And I'm not even against ponytails as a concept. I'm I'm okay with them. They're fine. If you want a ponytail, if you want long hair, have long hair. Go ahead and knock yourself oh, out. Not that one. But not that one. Not that. Not, not that. Not that one. All right. I'm let's kind go. of like a meh. Yeah. I I could do without it. Not a huge deal to me. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I can see that. It's definitely better than Highlander. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, so we're ranking. It's I mean, Highlander's it's, bottom. Highlander's bottom. Briscoe's for top. Me, for me, Highlander's bottom. Then you got. I'd say Outer Limits after that. Then um, Babylon 5, then Sliders, then Bris- or BCJ. That's me. So Yeah, I think I would put this tentatively above Sliders just because I thought Sliders tailed off towards the end. But I would have to rewatch all the episodes, and I haven't rewatched a lot of these since like in 15, 20 years probably. So anyway, it's a, I think it's worth it. Take a look at it. Uh, you know what else we need to do is we need to shut this darn episode down. So if you like what you're hearing, if you like hearing us babble and talk nonsense about pretty much nothing like ponytails and stuff, uh, can you can you subscribe, like sub, you know, whatever those buttons say and tell you to do so that whenever we get a new episode, uh, you, you, you automatically download it and, and it makes us look good and all that kind of thing. Uh, if you want to catch us, you can catch it anywhere we get podcasts. So and anywhere you want to get it from. Uh, and if you want to see what else we do online, go to lollygaggers.com. That's where we put all of our content, including a lot of our streaming stuff that we've been doing lately. Uh, you can all I mean, we have links from our main website to all of the various other places, YouTube, Twitch, etc. So uh, if you ever want to throw us an idea about something we can take a look at, something we can watch, you can catch me online at Lollygagger Co. That's L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O. And Justin's at Bias Justin, B-I-S-E, Justin. Uh, and uh, you can catch us every Thursday night on uh, twitch.tv slash ZweihanderRPG at, uh, at 7 Pacific, uh, where Justin and I play uh, tabletop role-playing games and make weird voices and stuff like that with other people. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and with that... I think we're going to end the episode. So, Justin, uh, I guess my question to you is that if uh, if you were given uh, if you were given a robot woman uh, to uh, to like to test out to see whether or not like this idea of a robot like companion could work, what would you say uh, would be an average date for the two of you? Right, so this is kind of how I get. Any woman these days? Now you must keep in mind that you're married, because I haven't been with a new woman ever. I've only been with one woman in my entire life. My life. So here's what we do. All right. So first we go out, probably like Wendy's Burger King. Applebee's. I pay for her value menu. menu. Um, probably Wendy's because their spicy chicken sandwich is pretty superb. I want to let her know that I'm gonna spoil her. Get her some chicken nuggets as well. You know? Frosty, baby Frosty. Uh, 
it's a lot. It's so, the first date. Calm down. Calm down. We'll yeah. See, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna clear out my bank for this robot woman. Um, then settle back to my place, turn the lights down, and watch a whole bunch of Marvel comic book movies, TV shows, and stuff like that. And by the time I look over to her, she's gone and had enough mail already, and she's left. So yeah. 